check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Throwdown. I am your host, Zach, joined by Alex. No Connor this week. He had some family visiting, so he took some time off for that. But say hi, Alex. What up, what up? It's another one-on-one episode. It's going to be very exciting, though, because we got a lot going on in the NBA as we're winding down, getting ready for the postseason. Before we get into all of that, make sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. As we get closer to the playoffs, we'll try to do some cool stuff on our social media pages. So definitely be on the lookout for that. All of that can be found in the description of this episode, wherever you're listening. So let's talk about the overview of the show biggest basketball news your weekly matchups recap we're going to be talking about the nba playoff push that's going on right now since there's less than 10 games for most for the majority of the teams and then we're also going to talk about the uh, scorers title for the nba this year that race winding down as well then we got your week 24 matchups but let's start with the biggest basketball news in general, uh, Yusuf Nurkic has been fined forty thousand dollars for an incident where he tossed a phone's fan's phone. Say that three times fast. During the uh, Trailblazers game against the Pacers, a fan allegedly was trash talking Nurkic, and it got personal. The fan was reportedly insulting Nurkic's mother and calling her trash, and said that Nurkic's deceased grandmother was quote a bitch quote and no word on there's no word in if the fan will be punished or not um we've seen a lot of these fan issues going around the league this year like there's there's been a lot uh chip we expect the players to have that like a chip uh chippiness to them not the Mm -hmm. fans yeah no like we have seen you know players act like this but like fans like it's just you know i this is the thing we don't you and you and I obviously don't know. We weren't there, obviously. You know what I mean? Like we couldn't tell like if he said that or not. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like Nurkic is that kind of player where he really doesn't say anything. He really doesn't. He doesn't act like this with other guys he's up against too. You had to really say something really strong and really offensive to really throw him over the edge to grab your phone and throw it. Yeah, that that's really um, you really had to hit a soft spot. Now, it the article I did read about this did mention that uh, uh, Nurkic's uh, grandmother did die of COVID-19 towards the start mm-hmm. of the pandemic. So I, I understand that like that would be much of a sensitive topic. So I guess anyone going after his, you know, deceased grandmother really was pushing his buttons. But the, the thing I've noticed, too, is a lot of people were like, complaining that like the fans you know it, it it's a privilege to be that close to the players mm-hmm. and then you go and trash talk you know their personal life and their family you know that's that's disrespectful it's it's absolutely disrespectful. you know i get it we you know we've seen this from fans too fans like we we've all been the games where we see fans like the trash talk but like when it gets to that series i you know what i think i really think this was just about uh you know this was like i i think what when you saw him he was like a teen right like the like a late teen probably he, he was in his early 20s i or think early maybe. 20s yeah he like, was, like he was somewhere in that 18 to like 22 range possibly so. yeah yeah exactly so i think yeah i think you might agree with this too it seemed like it was just like you know this immature kid who if this is 10 years later he probably wouldn't have said this he's just saying it says he's an immature kid at a game and just wants to have fun and talk trash but then you have to realize like some of the things you're saying could be really 
taken out of context. It's like it's like you know he calls him, but you like you said he called his grandmother and quote a bitch. Maybe he didn't realize that he was just trying to talk trash. But if he did realize that, then that's if he knew what he was saying, then that was terrible. But it's still terrible. It's wrong to really antag. I always feel it is wrong to try and antagonize these players because you know these. These guys are playing for their amusement in reality. That's the way you look at it. It's like it's like they're playing like that's how fans, I think, look at players at times like, oh, we're paying to watch you. You're supposed to we can do whatever we want. You're here for our amusement, like something like that. But no, these are actual human beings. You know, that's the mm -hmm. way like I think fans at times look at it. I look at players, no matter who they are, as being there for their amusement. But that's not the case. You know, you, you know what I mean? It's more of like. These are actual human beings you're talking to. Don't treat them like trash. Like this, like Yusuf Nurkic is a human being. You can't talk to him like that, especially considering you don't know him. Yeah, I mean that that that's a big thing too. It's like you you don't know these players, but the, at the end of the at the end of the day, these players are still human beings. They still mm -hmm. have feelings and emotions and stuff. It's like it's one thing to go to a game and trash talk and be like, "Oh, you won't make the shot," and then they make the shot or whatever. Exactly. It's, like, it, it's another to get that personal and cut deep. So um, we'll have to wait and see if there's any punishment from the fan. Uh, I I doubt that there is at this point. If they haven't punished them yet, but um, we've seen a quite an increase in trash talking from the fans in the league this year. So it's been disappointing in some cases, but you know, unfortunately that is the uh, reality of the situation right now. Mm -hmm. Anyways, let's head into the other big story. We've talked about this guy before Isaiah Thomas has found a team for the remainder of the season. The Hornets have signed the veteran, the veteran guard. <laughs> Thomas has bounced between the Lakers Mavericks before coming to Charlotte since he joined the team. Uh, this was a few days ago, but he's averaged about 10 points per game. Not a lot, but he's taken on quite a leadership role with the team and the Hornets have been doing a lot better since they signed Thomas. So, you know, this, this was a good pickup for them. They needed some help in the guard rotation and, uh, Thomas has really stepped up in the locker room and it, it seemed to be making a difference for Charlotte. Yeah, you know, and this is honestly exactly what they need at a crucial time, like to keep on to that, to stay in the play-in tournament. And especially maybe, you know, this is crucial time to improve their seating so that they play one of the weaker play-in tournament teams. So this is a great move. You know, I, like when it comes to IT, I always feel like, you know, you really need to see more from him in terms of not production, but him staying out there and not getting burned out. That's what my biggest worry is. I remember when when we talked about this, what, a couple months ago when with the Lakers and everything, too. Like, oh, IT's back. But I said, don't give him a full-on contract yet. You need to see, make sure he doesn't get burned out. You don't want playing him much. And, of course, they didn't give him a full contract. They After, what, those 10 days or whatever, they quickly got rid of him. And, you know, it's good to see, though, that, he actually isn't getting burned out quickly and he's not he's like kind of avoiding injuries considering he's there's seven and two. He's played nine games, which is a lot of is a lot already for him, considering I probably thought he was only gonna play like two games, then they were gonna get rid of him. Like the mm -hmm. typical that happens to him. But to see, you know, over ten points isn't a lot, but in terms of what he's doing right now for that team it's enough to really rally them and help them in these close games. And he's been in there. If you watch, he's there for like towards the ends of the game too. He's in those crucial moments, those pivotal fourth quarter moments, and they really trust him. And he has become a leader with his experience. And, you know, this is very good, I think, for LaMelo 
I think this is like what he needs too to help guide him. Yeah, that's that's a big thing too. Is like that veteran presence because mm-hmm. Charlotte doesn't have a lot of that. You know, you have yeah, Gordon Hayward, but who else do you really have on that team that's been you know like a veteran of the league? And now you got it on the team. It, it, it's really made a difference because he's kind of uh he's kind of you know uh got everyone back into shape, fall back in the line. You know, like because. Yep. Because before the Hornets were in a bit of a spiral, then he comes uh-huh. on and he kind of takes on this like older veteran in the locker room type role. And then all of a sudden they go on this. Uh, they start going on this tear like we saw him earlier in the season. So I think this was a good pickup for Charlotte. I'm glad that he got a contract. And, you know, uh, Thomas has just proven that he deserves to be in this league, even if he's not taking, you know, a bigger role. You know, he is like trying to find his role off the court too and then leading that bench squad or closing out games because the one thing i do remember about him when he was like a lot when he was more in his prime he he's a closer no matter what so if you need a guy out in the court you definitely want to consider putting him out on the court no absolutely he and you know i mean for all we know this could you know he's much older now but this could legitimately put him in a better situation where maybe he's going to have a resurgence and like kind of like how D Rose had a resurgence for a few years to come now and be a potential like Chris Paul to that Hornets team as well. Exactly. Well, it's very exciting. Uh, hopefully the, uh, the horn, it pans out well for the Hornets in the playing tournament, but we're going to have to wait and see on that part, but good for it finally getting signed. Uh, I was hopeful for that all season, especially after he dropped that 72 points mm-hmm. in that one, in that one game. And I'm like, if he's still balling, he should <laughs> be in the nba so let's get into your weekly matchups for the recap it was week 23 uh three games in particular i called them before we started recording these are like red flag games for some of the top performing teams or quote-unquote top performing teams um we start off on the 21st of march that was this monday the heat dropped one against the 76ers who were without joel Embiid and james harden as they lost 113 to 106 Therese Maxey had 28 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kylo, Kyle Lowry had a combined 69 points. Nice. But what's not nice is 9 turnovers between the three of them. <laughs> Miami also got out-rebounded as well. The 76ers had a total of 45 rebounds. Miami's 34. 11 of those rebounds were on the offensive side. So if you're Miami with all your starters you know, playing well, they had a combined score of almost 70 points and they could not pull out the win because they had turnovers early on and then they couldn't get any rebounds in the fourth. You know, is that a concern for Miami as the number one seed? You know, it's absolutely a huge concern. You know, Stephen A said this, I think yesterday or no, this morning. It's a very funny. He said, because, you know, Miami also lost, I believe, yesterday as well. And it's just funny because he goes, Miami are, is good enough to make it to the finals. But he said they're also bad enough where they can get bounced first round. And I think that's the way you look at it. It's like we look at this team as they are really they are a really talented team. They have the they have the the depth they have. They don't need a guy to really be a superstar. Jimmy doesn't have to play like a superstar. They're so well balanced. But the problem is, is now we're getting to these crucial moments, these last 10 games of the year. And they're losing games now that not only will hurt their seating because right now uh 76ers and milwaukee are a half game back from the one seat both of them and the celtics are one game back and i'm pretty sure the heat 
have to not only the Heat have to play the Celtics, I think they also have to play the Bucks again and possibly the 76ers. I forget if they have to play them again or maybe not, but they have to play the Celtics again, especially and, uh, and soon. And when I look at this, is that Miami's losing to three of the other top four teams. And right mm-hmm. now, if you're going to be in this situation where you're going down, you're going to be, this is going to be such a red flag come playoff time for them. Because I think what's scarier to me is that they beat that 76ers team early this month. I think it was like 99, 82, something like that. When they had Embiid and Harden out there. Now you lost to a Sixers team that did not have Embiid, did not have Harden. You got embarrassed. And not just that, you also got out rebounded, and Embiid is not on the floor. Yeah, when, that, when I look at that, that's embarrassing. That that's really like the biggest red flag. It's like you're getting out rebounded, especially late in the fourth when you're trying to cushion your lead a little bit or get back into the game, and it just didn't happen. Uh, really quick, I did pull up Miami's schedule. They got the net. They've been on a losing streak since it, this game on Monday. They mm-hmm. lost to the Warriors and then to the Knicks. Uh, notable teams include the Nets, the uh, Celtics, the Bulls, and the Raptors and the Hornets. Uh, just kind of the notable teams. Also, the Hawks are always good for an upset, you know, if they're feeling good, if they're playing well. So, And those are all teams that they're going <laughs> to possibly play in these upcoming playoffs <laughs> it is very likely they're playing at least one of these teams rather mm-hmm. it depends on who but uh if you're miami there's some red flags you need to be concerned about then again we know teams like you know teams are due for off games but this was just yeah. not this was not an off game this is like we need to get better on rebounding and making sure that like you we're not turning the ball over but let's head into the next game that we want to talk about this was wednesday the 23rd So despite Kyrie and KD, they were not enough. They had great performances, very impressive performances, but the Grizzlies got the win 132 to 120. Note that Memphis was without John Morant, and now they are 16-2 overall this season without John Morant on the floor. Desmond Bain was the guy for the Grizzlies. He had 23 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. Kyrie is now 16-10 overall when he scores 40 points or more. The Nets also only scored 16 points in the fourth quarter after scoring 42 points in the third quarter. So a bit of a hot and cold, the Katy Perry song, you're hot and then you're cold. You're yes. And then, you're no. Uh, and depending on how the standings go, they might be in or out of the six seed. So yeah, I, I went hard on that, on that one, but generally speaking, if, if Kyrie and Katie are dropping 30 and 40 points a game combined, you know, mm-hmm. like if one's dropping 40, the other's dropping 30, you're going to think at least, you know, 10 out of 10 times the Nets are going to win. But it was the nine out of 10 times. And, you know, Kyrie did say recently when they because he was asked, like, oh, are you going to leave the Nets? And it was like, I can't leave my boy number seven like that. But then at the same time, it's kind of like you guys really can put up 40, 50 even together. Let's say you both could get a 50 piece, but yet you guys can still lose. That's just. <laughs> Do you think maybe it also is about the fact that Simmons is not out there? Maybe they missed that defensive piece. Could he make that big, much of an impact, you think? that That's interesting because, like, you know, we know Kyrie and Katie are very good on the offense. Their defenses mm-hmm. have always been 
questionable. We we've mm-hmm. seen KD have great defensive performances, but he hasn't been consistent. Consistent, yeah. His defense, so that's really an issue. But the Grizzlies are also a really good team too. So it's not like they they, they dropped it against the Magic or whatever. Like no, this is like this is a Memphis team that has stocked their bench very well, and their star was out, and they were still able to win by twelve points, which is very impressive. Let's just let's look at that too. You said they're what sixteen and two now without him, without Ja for the year. Yeah, this without is him starting. With, without him starting, how remarkable that really is because that shows not only does he elevate their play when he's out there, but because of his impact on the team and then because of how much these guys have been able to develop, especially a guy like Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, like, and how the veterans are helping too, this team really has developed well together. And they actually could be a team to watch out for, especially considering now in the West that rea- in reality – the only team that really is in their path as of right now it looks like that isn't having injury problems or any issues is the suns but other than that Mm -hmm. if grizzlies can get hot and keep staying hot and they're playing this well especially that bench if that bench can easily play at this kind of level in the playoffs that's going to go a long way in terms of dominating teams then by the time if they have to face the suns they could easily be one of the ones to actually knock off the suns for all we know yeah, we, we've seen this Grizzlies team get hot, and it's not even just John Moran. We've seen Steven Adams get hot, Desmond Bain gets hot, Jared Jackson gets hot. So there's like, they didn't need all these big names. They just needed the right pieces to fit the the plan and the playbook, and it's worked out for them, and that's why they're sitting at number two right now in the Western Conference. And we know how tough the West is, so sitting at number two is no easy feat when you're playing out West, but that was a very good win for the Grizzlies without John Morant. It was a very bad loss for the Nets. So if you're the Nets, if you're a Nets fan, you might want to be concerned a little bit, but let's get into this final matchup. This happened last night, the 25th. The Timberwolves got back into the win column after losing two in a row. They beat the Mavericks in a blowout win, 116 to 95. Carl Anthony Towns had 20 points, nine rebounds, one assist and one steal. The Timberwolves are now 7-3 in their last 10 games, making a hard push to possibly get that sixth seed in the Western Conference. Currently, right now, they are only half a game behind Denver. So Minnesota has turned it on at the right time. Like they they found a groove after the All-Star break, and they've been really impressive coming down the stretch. They absolutely have been impressive. And you know, their last two losses were against uh, for the two losses they dropped, it was against the Mavericks, only by two. And then they lost the Suns, which obviously is probably the best team in all of basketball right now. But, you know, when I look at that, they rebounded and beat the Mavericks like, this time around to get their revenge. And this this month especially, they have not they have beaten up weak teams, but they have beaten the Warriors when healthy. They have beaten the Heat. They have also beaten the Bucks. They were beating the best of the East, too. And then, you know, they beat up on weak teams. But, like, the fact that they have been this hot, and even against a team like the Mavericks, they only lost by two. And then against the Suns, they only lost by nine. It was close games throughout the whole time. They actually can compete. And that's scary to me because Carl Anthony Towns is, what, in his sixth year, <laughs> sixth, seventh year, he is hungry. He really mm-hmm. is. You know, this is a guy who has been so iffy on if he's going to stay in Minnesota or not, but now he has a real reason to stay in Minnesota. They're building something. And with the way this team has gotten hot, especially considering they still have a tough schedule left, 
and they're a half game back from the sixth seed. They are really making that push to make sure they avoid the play-in tournament and really make a stance right now. Because if they could get to that sixth seed, they might be playing a banged-up Warriors team, and that could be massive for them to win in the first round. That that would be huge. So looking at the two schedules, the Nuggets technically have the easier schedule on paper. Mm -hmm. However, they do play Minnesota again on Mm -hmm. April 1st. So there's a very good chance we'll have a situation comparatively years and years ago when these two teams, I I think it was these two teams, if not, it was another team that was fighting for the, it was the last game of the regular season. And it came down to that last game for the eighth seed in the West. And it was Minnesota. And I want to say it was the Nuggets for the eighth seed, but I, I, it's either the Nuggets or the Jazz. So it, that game might decide the sixth seed is what I'm trying to say on April 1st. So if there's a game to watch out for, or, you know, circle in your calendar, that's going to be a very interesting one. Cause we know, Either the Nuggets or the Timberwolves might have a chance of upsetting the Warriors, but we've seen the Timberwolves get their number time and time again. So, but mm-hmm. that was a really good win for them in the Western Conference too. It knocks down the Mavericks a little bit, brings up Minnesota a lot more. So, good, just good for the T Wolves. You know, they finally figured it out, and you know they're turning it on. And Carl Anthony Towns, he's he's definitely improved this year. This is some of the best basketball I've seen them play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This. And, you know, it's really a shame because I think you can agree with this. He is so underrated. He really is. I don't think people really respect that he actually is one of the best big men out there every single night. And he's not only that, he's one of the best. He He's arguably, arguably the best shooting big man. His percentages are unreal. He, this is a guy who shoots well from three, can just pop it like nothing when he's guarded too. He can shoot well in perimeter. He's a great perimeter shooter. And this is a guy who's just dominant in the paint. He's an all-around great shooter. And I think it's about time that maybe he's given his due and his respect. I'm, I'm hoping that, like, if when they get into the playoffs, they go off. Because this mm-hmm. is a team that you should watch out for, especially in that first round. If, like, they end up as, like, a either the sixth seed or the seventh or the eighth seed. If you're playing them, you, you got to watch out. You can't be too careful around Minnesota. But mm-hmm. really quickly, before we toss it a break, let's talk about our records. So for this week, I went three and nine. Eh, gross. I'm 132 and 125 overall, getting a little close to that sub 500 level. Connor had the best record this week. He's at seven and five. He he is now currently 135 to 120 overall. Alex, you went six and six, a perfect 500. You are 141 to 114 overall. So we're doing good. We're going down the home stretch. Hopefully we can all stay above 500, but you know, anything can go in these last 10 games, but we're going to toss it to break. When we come back, we're going to be talking in more depth about the playoff push. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Zach here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you like the show, be sure to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We share breaking news and updates that are going around the league as well as show updates. You can find the link to our accounts in the description down below, or search Sins the Throwdown. Thanks so much for listening. Now here's the rest of the episode. And welcome back. All right, we're closing in on the reg- the end of the regular season, which means the NBA playoffs are almost here. We've already talked about the playoffs previously, but now we've had some very notable changes. Teams are making final adjustments to either make the playoffs or to play in tournament. We're going to be discussing about who needs to make that final push, who needs to stay where they are and hold on and, you know, so forth. So the first question, Alex, 
there are a handful of teams that can still snag the 10 seed for the play-in tournament. Name your 10 seed for the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. So I'll let you go first. You know, this is, so for the Eastern Conference, I think it's obvious it's going to be the Hawks, you know, unless Charlotte messes up a little bit and they fall and they grab that, they fall to the 10th. But honestly, no matter what, it should be the Hawks regardless because the Hawks have been on and off iffy. But at the same time, when you look at who's behind them, Knicks are five games out from that 10th seed. There's really, to me, there's, but in that time, I really don't see the Knicks outplaying them the rest of the season. And uh, for the least last eight to 10 games, I really don't see them taking that 10th seed from them. I think the Hawks have really sealed it. They're going to seal it with, if they win a couple more games and a couple more losses for the Knicks, they easily seal it. But I think right now it's just really hard for a team like the Knicks to, after all their struggles this year too, to be like, Hey, you know, we're going to win out. And the Hawks are somehow going to struggle. It's not going to happen. It's not like they're only a couple games out. Five games is a huge difference. So yeah. I really see that happening. Yeah, not to mention the Hawks are at uh, 500 currently. If they stay at 500, they are definitely going to snag that 10th seed. Exactly. So uh, I had the Hawks as well for my team in the East. So did Connor. We're all pretty much in agreement that the Hawks will bring up the 10th seed. Uh, we know they'll be dangerous in the playoffs no matter what, especially with Trey Young and playoff Trey Young. We've seen how well that he's played in the playoffs. So we, I don't think you want to catch the Hawks if you're, you know, even if you're the number one seed like the Heat, I don't think you want to catch the Hawks on a bad day. But mm -hmm. let's talk about the Western Conference because there's a li little differences. Uh, Alex, I'll let you go first on this one. Your 10th seed for the Western Conference. You know, this one is a tough one to think about, but I really think the Pelicans are going to be the 10th seed in the end. Because I feel, you know, the Lakers as of right now are, the Pelicans own the tiebreaker to have the 9th seed. But I feel like, when it comes time, like we're getting closer to the playoffs, I feel like these last games, LeBron is really going to shine. Like he has been playing well all season. It's really the rest of that team that's let him down. But I think LeBron's going to avoid being the 10th seed, at least, and like keep that 9th seed. Now, when it comes to the 10th seed for the Pelicans, right now, I do love what I'm seeing in New Orleans. I think they really had a resurgence this second half of the season. But I really think, because they play the Spurs, I believe, tonight. So as we're... I believe they play the Spurs tonight, so I really think that the way I look at it is not only are they going to uh, win that game against the Spurs, but then that's going to put like a what two and a half, three game difference between them and the Spurs, and Spurs are going to be a few games back from grabbing that 10th seed. They're really going to mm -hmm. put themselves in a tough situation. I don't think they're going to be able to dig dig their way back into the to to try and make that push unless they win tonight. Then it's huge. But I think the Pelicans are so motivated and they're really focused in the way McCollum has played with that team since that trade. He has really helped be a leader and rally that team to be at least a play in tournament team now. So I think that not only are they going to win tonight, but they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they're at least the 10th seed regardless. Yeah, and at least for New Orleans, like they, they are ahead and they do have the ninth, uh, the ninth seed tiebreaker <laughs> over the Lakers. But I, I think for the Pelicans, like they will bring up the rear because um, unfortunately they are prone to slipping a few games like CJ McCollum mm -hmm. can go off. But if the rest of the team doesn't go off with him or, you know, at least click, then it's really hard for that squad. And they've been kind of I, I kind of want to say like 
50 50 since uh, the all star break. It's like they haven't been consistently bad, but they haven't consistently been better because of it. I mean, they played the Lakers twice. Uh, they play they play Memphis. They play the Warriors. They play the Clippers that are known to upset people as well. So it, it, it's going to be a tough road for them, but I think they'll still get into the play in tournament. It's just a 10th seed. But, yeah. But Connor does have the Lakers as his 10th seed, as his prediction. Uh, you know, that's the issue, too. It's like we know the Lakers like LeBron has been playing good. It's just the rest of the squad is just not it's not there. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not there every night, day in and day out. And they do have a pretty tough schedule. They got New Orleans twice. Then they got the Mavericks and then they got Utah then the Nuggets and then the Suns and then the Warriors and then the Nuggets again for a makeup game. It's just <laughs> that's tough. So I told, I feel like these two teams are going to be really at the bottom of the playing tournament. It, it, you can almost interchange them, but it feels like New Orleans is more prone to slipping versus now where it's like we're seeing LeBron and company like actually like finally what feels like at least they're clicking. They're not winning, but at least they're finally like clicking. Mm-hmm. No, I you know, they are finally clicking. It's just a shame, too, because when I think about this year for LeBron, especially this is. You could argue one of the best the best season he's had in maybe 10 years. And that's the crazy part is he's always been that great. But I think this could be the best season he's had in the last 10 years. And the way I look at it is this is a man averaging 30 game. Last time he averaged 30 game, I think, was 13 years ago. Yeah. Okay. That's just more insane to me. And the fact that he's doing everything. Kenny has the fourth best PR in the league. He's obviously the, one of the top efficient players in the league. It's... It's really just guys like, and I, you know, I hate to blame Westbrook because I don't, I, I don't really blame him. I think it's more of the system right now. I think Vogel has really done a terrible job with his team this year. I think Palenka really needs to be out of GM. And I think that, mm-hmm. and I think that when I really look at it is, I think the biggest problem is that Anthony Davis is not out there because Anthony Davis, they have a better record, I'm pretty sure, when Anthony Davis is out on the court than they do when it's just LeBron out there and not Anthony Davis. I think there's something like that. Like, they do play more efficient, at least. No, no, I'm very curious to learn about that. But I'm curious. He, I'm, I'm, but I'm curious, too, because I'm pretty sure the stats are that they're more efficient in a team and a higher-scoring team and a much better defensive team. That's the thing. But I, I feel like... I feel like for the Lakers, though, it's like, unfortunately, like... it's just tough, but they generally do better with Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis has actually had a really good season when he's been playing, but the issue is Mm -hmm. just, he's, he's been hurt so much this season. It's hard for his impact to be felt. And that, that, that's the unfortunate reality of the situation. Like we know he's a good player. He can play well, but he doesn't stay on the court. So it makes it very hard to justify how good of a player he is. If he can't stay on the court. And that that's a big issue for the Lakers, but if you had a healthy LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook in the playing tournament, everybody's on the same page, then maybe you could get into the playoffs. And then from that point, you could like, you know, there's a lot of hypotheticals with the team. That's why they're they're probably yeah. going to stick with the playing tournament. But we could say in. that they were, they were also real quick. You could also say that maybe they put themselves in a tougher situation because they tried so hard getting all these old veterans going, no, we, these old guys are veterans, they're leaders, guys like Mello, and they can put off, they can produce. But in reality, 
you needed guys like Malik Monk this whole time, guys who mm-hmm. can come off the bench and be talented young scorers. That's the thing. I think they they really tried a terrible experiment, and because they started making moves later in the season, it still has set them back because these guys didn't have enough time to gel together once these trades were made. Exactly. Uh, let's move into the next question. So for this one, it's like the top spots may be secured, but the sixth seed is a highly valuable spot if you want to avoid the playing tournament and possibly have a better matchup against the number three seed. So which teams for the East and West will be the sixth seed? Now, me and Connor are on the same page on this one. We think it's going to be the Raptors and the Nuggets because the Raptors have been playing really well. They've really turned it on. They're kind of fighting with Cleveland. They're tied right now with Cleveland for the sixth seed. Uh, I feel like Cleveland has just started. The wheels have come off the wagon for Cleveland. So I feel like Toronto's going to go up and snag the sixth seed. And I know you agree that Toronto will be the sixth seed. So I don't think we need to beat that horse. Mm -hmm. But we mentioned we teased this one earlier in the last segment. Uh, Me and Connor have the Nuggets as a sixth seed. You have, Alex, you have the Timberwolves as your sixth seed. So I feel like... That race is going to come down to that April 1st game for the sixth seed. Yeah, that's, I really think that's what it's coming down to. I Because I think, you know, Timberwolves, they do have a tough schedule remaining in terms of like these, especially these next two games. They're playing the Celtics, who you could argue are the hottest team in basketball as of right now. And then you play a Raptors team that's fighting with Cleveland. But I think maybe they split that. They split, They take one of those. And then I think Nuggets are in the same position where they'll both be a one-game difference in their record, and it's going to come down to this matchup, and whoever wins this matchup is going to take it the rest of the way, and they're going to have the more momentum because they beat this team. I really do think I love the Nuggets. I do. And I love what Jokic has done, especially with guys like Murray being out all year and Porter getting hurt, especially when we thought he was going to have maybe a six-man, or not six-man, maybe have this most improved player type of year. But the what I've seen from the Timberwolves and how, you know, they dropped two in a row and then they finally they beat the Mavericks this time. But the way they have been the past 10 games this past month and especially since All-Star break and how I would say they're right there as one of the hottest teams in the league with the Celtics. I really think that this Timberwolves team is just so talented and they finally have a reason to want to fight and play because I play out there and play with their hearts out on their sleeves every game because I really think their heart wasn't in it after the first two months of the season I think we saw that we're like oh you're gonna have to maybe blow up this team but the way they have played and turned things around I feel like they're gonna want to try and avoid the play in tournament at any point because they really want to prove that they belong in the playoffs and avoid having a chance to be bounced in the play in tournament Mm mm-hmm I mean, that's the way I look at it. But again, they easily could just stay as the seventh seed because the Nuggets are that good as well. Yeah, Um, it's just the Nuggets are good, but the Nuggets are also lacking in the guard department, which Mm. is one of their disadvantages as a team versus like the Timberwolves. You have Patrick Beverly, you have D'Angelo Russell, you have Anthony Edwards like that. That's a trio of guards or, you know, guard forward combinations. You really don't want to mess with too much. So, but we're going to have to wait and see, but I feel like either of those teams could fit into the six seed. I feel like if the Timberwolves get into the six seed, there's a good chance they can make a deep run. So, but I feel the same way about the Nuggets as well, because like Jokic is playing another MVP season. So 
mm-hmm. this was not this is more of a question of like we we all feel a certain way about these teams and you know like we think highly of them heading into <laughs> heading into the playoffs <laughs> Uh, third question, what is a potential first round matchup that can shake up the entire NBA postseason? Uh, Alex, I'll let you go first on your on um, on on your prediction for a first round matchup that can really shake up this postseason. You know, when I really look at it, I think no matter what, it's who in general, I think it's no matter what, who the Warriors will play. I think that will change the entire postseason and shake it up, because as of right now, if I'm not mistaken, the Warriors will be playing the Nuggets as of right now, correct? Yeah. Yes. So I think even if, like I said, if it was Warriors-Timberwolves, that's huge too. But I'm just judging it off of right now, Who, if the playoffs were to happen today, who's playing who? If it's Warriors-Nuggets, not only this, Nuggets have been a team for the last few years who have always been one of the top three seeds, always, or even a top four seed. They've always been one of the best teams, but they always lose first round. Or like when well, you know when they make it to the second round, like oh my god, we can like have a chance, and then they choke three, they blow a three-one lead, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what we saw against the Clippers. Yep. You see, to me, when I look at this, is that this Nuggets team is completely different. This is a team that has battled so much adversity, and I think this is going to shake up because if Steph is back by this game, then this could be a different rejuvenated Warriors team and they could make a run at it and they could have play because of their seating, they might be able to play maybe a couple weaker teams too. But Mm -hmm. if the Nuggets win this game with or without Steph playing on the other side, and at this point, this is also where if the Nuggets are good enough to beat them as of right now without Jamal Murray and without Michael Porter, but if they beat them, Michael Porter is supposed to come back by the end of March or the first week of April. He will be back. And at that point, too, Jamal Murray could be back. I think that's where this could all shake up. If Jamal Murray is back especially, then this is a Jamal Murray who's had all this time to recover, all this time to prepare himself for this moment. And even if he's not out there, he probably will be there second round. That's the Mm -hmm. way I look at it. This is a matchup that if the Nuggets win this matchup and beat them in best of seven series— the Nuggets are going to have a lot to prove even more because they don't want to get bounced in the second round again. They're going to be hungry. They have the reigning MVP who could also be the two-time MVP maybe if he continues playing well these last 10 games for all we know. And that's the way I look at it. This is the matchup that can shake the whole playoffs because if Steph comes back, this Warriors team has a lot to prove as well and they'll be rejuvenated with Steph, their true leader. But if the Nuggets are there and they somehow win that, then they're going to be really the the league's going to be in for a whole shock in the Western Conference because I think at that point you're going to have Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray back and that's two guys who haven't played in months that could really make it a huge mismatch for opponents. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're playing you know like three high quality players versus like Jokic and like mm-hmm. the guys who've been filling in and like this is a very gritty team. If you don't have Steph Curry. In this first round matchup, you really can't sit them against the Nuggets. This is not this is not a team to sleep on. So yep. if if you're Golden State and you see you're playing the Nuggets, you you might want to be concerned. There is a lot of cause for concern. So that's a really good one, especially it would be a high upset alert for mm-hmm. Golden State as well. I'll, I'll talk about mine really quick. I have the Grizzlies versus the Timberwolves. Now, we've already talked about the Timberwolves. We talked about the Grizzlies, like how great they are, how both of these teams... But 
the Timberwolves could easily turn it on in the playoffs and the Grizzlies can choke. We've seen that so many times in the NBA was especially with like, like you mentioned the nuggets dropping it against the Clippers last year. We've seen the jazz choke out too, you know, like they go up 2-0 and then they drop the next four. So it's a possibility that the Grizzlies could easily just fall apart against the Timberwolves. And it's not uncommon. It's not crazy out there, but it's not uncommon, especially with the way Minnesota has been playing. If, you know, like we know the Grizzlies bench is pretty good, but if the Timberwolves just play better basketball, then all of a sudden they're going to be in the driver's seat in that series. And I don't I don't think Memphis has the long term uh, durability to like play to game seven. I think they might fall flat if they don't get if they don't, you know, stop it soon. And the Timberwolves is not a team you want to catch in the playoffs either. Yeah, I I 100 percent agree with you on that one. That's. You know, when I when I look at this Timberwolves team, I mean, I've said a lot about them already. They really are a gritty team. They really want it. But the thing is, if Grizzlies, if this is a matchup in the first round and the Grizzlies win this, they really do have a lot of momentum because now they're like, wow, Mm -hmm. we finally are back in really back in the playoffs. And now we're already in the second round. It's like we're just two rounds away from the finals. And by that point, this is a young, a very young team for the most part. And when I look at these young guys, they're going to be like, no, we want this. We really do. Yeah. And and not to mention, like, basically, it feels like like if either of these teams win, they're going to go into a deep uh, playoff push. So that would be one where you kind of see a catalyst go off for either team in that series. So that's a potential first round matchup that you would want to watch. And then it's going to affect everybody else. But Mm -hmm. let's talk about Connors. Um... He had Raptors versus Bucks, so he chose an Eastern Conference one, which okay. is which is very interesting. But like you know, it makes sense because you have the Toronto Raptors, which you know we kind of wrote off early on in the season, and then they've kind of clawed their way back, and now they're you know they're looking like a dangerous team in in the in a playoff situation. But against the Bucks, which they are three and zero against in the season series, that's uh that that's kind of big because the Bucks can take on just about anybody. But it, for whatever reason, Toronto seems to have their number. But we also know that the regular season series may not mean anything in the playoffs. But it, it's a matchup to definitely watch. Yeah, that that is a matchup to watch. You know, especially because Raptors. When I look at the situation and the kind of year they had, a lot of people, not just us, especially a lot of people, wrote them off like before the season started, thinking like, "Oh, you know, they might be a play-in tournament team. They might not be, but like they're gonna have to make a lot of moves." There's a lot of rumors that they got to get rid of Siakam to bring in more pieces or draft picks to help them. But like now that they're in this position where they could easily get into the playoffs, or even if they just get into the play-in tournament and then win that, and then they go into the first round, they have to play the Bucks. Going up against a team that not only are you three and zero against, and of course regular season, postseason is very different. You know, teams change, but especially against uh, the Bucks, who are the defending champs, the Raptors will be playing with a lot to prove. And I think that matchup, if they can beat the defending champs, then it shows that they can beat the Celtics, they can beat the Sixers, they can beat the Heat. They, it just it to me this I can under, I can see where he's going with this. That this is a matchup where if the Raptors beat the defending champs. It will change everything. Mm-hmm. That that one would really um that that one especially would shake up the league because you take out the defending champs, everybody's got you on your radar now. If they haven't already, you're definitely on everybody's radar at that point. 
So we're going to have to see. We know that like playoff Milwaukee is much different than regular season Milwaukee. Like we saw it last year too, where it's like, oh, you know, like they, they, I, it finally clicked for, you know, the Bucks and that squad. It finally clicked. And, you know, like with some lucky plays sometimes, but some really good play, they, they got the NBA title. So they, the Bucks are not defending champs for, you know, any, you know, not for a, trying to think of the word. The Bucks are defending champs. Not because of luck. They had a couple lucky plays, but they are really good. And especially Giannis in the playoffs, you you got to watch out for that. But if the Raptors can get hot, all of a sudden Milwaukee's in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we're going to toss it to break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the NBA scoring title. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's going on, everyone? Lawrence Patchman Lang here president of the Sports Insanity Network, just reminding you to go to our website, www.thesportsinsanitynetwork, where you can read everyone's blogs here on the network and also find about the history of the Sports Insanity Network. And welcome back. All right. As the regular season comes to a close, the annual NBA scoring title is up for grabs in what is being described as a historical race. The top three scorers in the NBA right now are LeBron James. He's at 29.96 points. Joel Embiid is at 29.83 points. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is at 29.72 points. There has not been a scoring title closer since the 1977-78 season where George Gervin won the title by .07 points. So... This is a very interesting scoring title race. Uh, I don't think any of us predicted that it would be like these three in particular. I think we each had one of them, maybe, possibly, but it wasn't our first choice. Mm -hmm. It was definitely not our first choice because the way I looked at it was I was thinking, I didn't think LeBron would be in this race at all because, you know, as much as LeBron is extremely talented and, you know, when we see him have high-scoring seasons, it was just... The way he was preserving himself, especially like last year, too, and like at the beginning of this year, too, it looked like he was kind of preserving himself still more and not trying to do everything himself, you know? And when you see a guy do that, that's why you see a lot of lack in scoring in terms of like he could average 24, but then I was thinking 24 to him is lower than averaging 29.30 because, I mean, it mm-hmm. is lower, but I'm saying it's lower for him because it's he looked like he was prever- preserving himself because he wants to play with his son. You know what I mean? He wasn't doing as much, but now he has a lot. I feel like he's trying to prove, and he's just been so more involved scoring, obviously, and being the main leader of that team that he will he'll go out there and he will put up 40 because he needs to at this point for this team. Yeah. That's what he's doing, and I think that's what really has turned him around and put him, because I think three months ago, he really wasn't in this race. He, 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 really, he really wasn't. Like, he was there, but he wasn't. Uh, at that level that he needed mm-hmm. to be. And now all of a sudden it's kind of taken over. Granted, it's not like the highest scoring uh, season we've seen from like the oh. league in general, like, and generally speaking, like normal last year is like, like 32 points. I think was ever like, yeah. And then we've seen Harden also put up 37 or 30. Yeah. So like the scoring title, like in recent years has been very, like it's been a runaway or last year it came down to like the last, Mm-hmm. Uh, three games and it ended up going to uh, Steph Curry because he scored like 45 points in one game. And it's like statistically that's impossible. But <laughs> I did pull up what we predicted for who would win the scores title. Mm-hmm. None of us were close. Uh, we all thought Bradley Beal was going to get the title this year. 
uh, we had a mix of Steph Curry, Katie, Luca, Russell Westbrook, and Damian Lillard as our other choices to kind of round it out. We did not think that it would be the era of the big men taking over the scorer's title. It's been very interesting, but <laughs> let's talk about these three guys. I mean, they're they're holding on. Does LeBron hold on to this title? Or can Embiid or Giannis just kind of sneak up and take it? Because, like, I feel like, at least for schedule-wise, I feel like the easiest path it goes to Embiid because you got to play the Suns still, then you got to play the Bucks, and that's really that's really it besides the Raptors and the Cavaliers. But, you know, the Cavaliers have not been playing as well. So it, I feel like Embiid has the best chance of upsetting yep. LeBron for the scorer's title. And he's also really taken over the MVP conversation too. So it, 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 it's hard to be like, Oh yeah, you know, LeBron's got it in the bag. I'm like, no, like there's, there's a chance that he may not have this in the bag. You know, I don't think he has in the bag. I agree with you that it's, let's look at MB here because one thing that we have to also point out is Embiid has Harden and Harden is averaging 10 assists a game so Harden's not only a guy who's a talented passer Harden's giving is helping Embiid increase the the each time he increases points per game total each time and I mm -hmm. think he's now giving he's opening up more opportunities for Embiid out there and I feel like LeBron doesn't have guys who are creating opportunities for him like that I think LeBron is all about driving in himself I think Embiid, he has a guy who can help space it out more and create the opportunities for him so that he can keep scoring and maybe getting a couple 35, 40 point games these next within these next eight to 10 games. So that's the way I look at it. But also Embiid, Embiid, I think also has a lot to improve. You know, ever since he's entered the league and missed those first two years, he has been a dominant scorer. He really has. And he has increased every year. And I think he just, I think he's tired of everyone always saying, like, you're all talk. You really are all talk. You don't have any true hardware attached to your name. Him getting mm -hmm. the scoring title would be a very significant moment in his career. Obviously, it's not as big as winning a championship or MVP or Depoy. But at the same time, this is a big man. And if he wins the scoring title, it really is going to change not only the NBA, it's going to change a lot for him because it's showing like, hey, I'm one of the best scorers in the league. You can't stop me. I'm going to do whatever it takes out there. And I think he wants that narrative and he wants that idea of, hey, I'm the best scoring big man out there and I'm the best scorer in the league. So I think he has a lot more to fight for. LeBron is just scoring a lot because his team needs to win through him. He needs to keep playing that strong. Whereas Embiid, Embiid's scoring a lot because not only is he fighting for his team and helping them like to try and chase that one seed, but also they're able, they are such a well-rounded team that they, with Harden, with Maxi, they're able to space it out better for him and create more opportunities. And I think that's what goes the long way between those two, especially. Yeah. And like it, it's been good for Embiid. I mean, LeBron has had to go out and drop 50 points just for his team to have a chance. Like he, he shouldn't have to, but he is. And that's something that's been helping LeBron out a lot. It's like him going out and dropping. Like I'm literally looking at like the stretch of like, like 10 games or before, like a few games before, like LeBron dropping 50 against the wizards, you know, then he went on to drop like 31, 30, 19, 36, 38, 38. Like, 
he's going out there and dropping. He's had like, and then there was the other 50 point game. He had 56 points against the Warriors on March 5th. Like there, there hasn't been a lot of games where LeBron James has not been dominating in, in terms of scoring. So, but compared to like Embiid, like Embiid has had some great stretches too. Giannis has had a few, a uh, few stretches as well. Like he had a 36 point game against the Kings on the 16th. He had a 43 point game against the Hawks on the ninth. Like we, we we've seen all three of these guys just have big performances. Like there, there's no way that like they don't go out and perform every night. But I, but I think in terms of like a uh, schedule and you know, like I, I posed this question. I'm like, could one of these guys rest for the playoffs? Like mostly uh, Embiid and Giannis. Like, would they be like, hey, we got the number two seed. You don't have to keep playing. You know, like we're we're gonna rest you for like a game or two. Like, I I could see that happening more for Giannis than Embiid because I feel like for Embiid at least, with the way he did miss a, a good, he still missed quite a good amount of games this year. Like I think so far, like what was it seventeen games, mm-hmm. something like that, or eighteen games. And I look at it as like. There, you you want to think about resting him, but at the same time, you're like, you know what? Let's just keep getting more of him out there and keep getting more. We want him to keep playing. We want him to never cool off. And if you really sit him and rest him, it could cool him off for all we know. Mm-hmm. And Giannis, that's Giannis. I think it's more likely because Giannis, with the way he his impact on that team and how, in reality, also this is a guy who I think we've seen games where. He doesn't need to be the leading scorer for them to win games. He just needs to be a dominant force to be reckoned with out there. But mm-hmm. we can see Drew Holiday put up 30 or 28 or Middleton put up like 25 and Giannis only putting up 22, 20, hell, even 18 at some points. And they still win because they're not only that well-rounded, they still have guys who can score. Giannis doesn't always need to have these high-scoring performance. That's why I think he won't also be one of the top two at the end of this race just because i think he can easily he's okay with it because he doesn't have to keep playing like lebron and have to pull out every night and he doesn't mm-hmm. have to do and you know sixers are well-rounded but sixers in terms of their scores they are limited they are limited in terms of who their main scores are the bucks you could have drew holiday putting up 28 you could have middleton putting up 35 and Giannis could only put up 20 and it will be fine. You'll still win because Giannis did other stuff. He doesn't always have to keep scoring. And that's why I think that they could rest him because they're going to want to preserve Giannis more because Giannis doesn't have to cool off at all. Yeah, and Giannis, is, Giannis also goes for rebounds too. Like, like yep. if he's not able to score, he's going to go grab rebounds and stuff. And beats the same way, but like we, Giannis is like terrific when it comes to rebounding and stuff. So it, it, it's hard for Giannis to be like, he's like, I want my team to win. I don't think he's too concerned about getting the scorer's title. Versus exactly. Maybe, maybe Embiid and LeBron just to kind of prove that like they're top scorers. So I, I think it's really between Joel Embiid and LeBron James at this point, because it's like Giannis would need to drop at least 30 every game on the remainder of his schedule. And like you, you're playing Memphis, you're playing the 76ers, you're playing the Nets all on the road, then you still got the Clippers, and then the Mavericks, and then the Bulls, and then the Celtics, and then you got the Pistons, and then you got the Cavaliers. Like, it would be, Giannis would have to go out and drop at least 30 in every single one of those games to, like, have a chance at being the top scorer. 30 or more, I should say. I mean, if he he manages to drop more than 50, it probably (laughs) would help increase his chances. 
you know, like, hell, just go break uh, Will Chamberlain's 100-point record, I'm sure, like, (laughs) (laughs) then then I think it's yours at that point, but uh, in terms of, like, this race, it's been very interesting, because they're all big men, technically, like, technically, even though LeBron, like, he points forward, he's still, like, a big guy, like, these are not the quick, speedy uh, guards that we've been seeing the past few years winning the scorer's title. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree with you on that one. This is, I think this is what makes it more unique. Have we seen more dominant runs? Yes. But have we seen an era in which these, not only guys are this close to each other, three guys at least, but also big men in terms of that? Like, especially, you know, LeBron, you know, no matter what, when you compare him to the other two, like, especially if I just focus on the other two, like Giannis and Embiid both being up there. This is, because, you know, there was a lot of rumors. A lot of people felt like, you know, last decade it was the, it was a dead era for big men, but now we could be on the rise with a big era for big men. And, you know, Jokic eventually could next year, for all we know, could be in this category because he's, what, top six, I think, in scoring? Top, top six? He's top, top ten at least, guaranteed. Like, yeah, I think like. 26 points something or 27 a game. So he's on that mark, too, to try and become like, hey, you know, these guys became one of the top scorers. Now it's my turn next year. So I <laughs> love the era for the big men. I really do. I think I think this decade we might see the game switch back from like, oh, uh, small guards who could shoot three point, you know, three pointers all the time to like, well, now we got big men who could just score, period. Like mm-hmm. we might see that or it's like it might be the air of the big men. Sure, they're not going to be as mean as aggressive before, but like these guys are great at what they do and they get points on the board. And that's what matters at the end of the day for basketball. It's like just scoring the most points, playing great defense. But it's going to be interesting, especially with the stretch coming down. Uh, but we're going to have to wait and see who the score titles is. Last year, like we said, it came down to like the last three games or two games between Bradley Beal and Steph Curry. So we're just going to have to wait and see who wins that title. You know, uh, regardless, these three guys have been some of the top scoring performers of the season. Like it's been great to watch them play in and play out. You know, it it, it it's been fun to watch. That's all I'm trying to say. Mm hmm. No, I absolutely agree with you on that one. It, it really is, you know, one of the greatest scoring races because it's also one of the most unlikely that we would have thought was going to happen. Exactly. So we're going to toss it to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about your week 24 matchups. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Asked what kind of family she wanted. She said, a family like yours. Learn more about adopting a teen at adoptuskids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. And welcome back. All right. It's time for the week 24. Last week was the Jordan week. This one's the Kobe week. So, Alex, let's just get this kicked off right. On the 29th of March, as we end March basketball for the NBA, we got the Bucks versus the 76ers, a very big matchup between these two possible seeding implications. Uh, I'm picking the Bucks on this one. I just feel good about Giannis and his squad heading into the playoffs. Yeah, you know, when I really look at this matchup, uh, it, this really, both teams, I think, are two completely different teams these past couple months, and they've been on fire. But, you know, when it's the, especially the defending champs, they really want the fight to grab that one seat first, especially after the year they've had and how they fought back. So I think I'm going to go with the Bucks here, too. I think they got a lot of momentum, and I think Giannis is not going to let this slip away from him, this matchup. No. Well, I don't think we'll see that, but Connor did choose the 76ers. Could it be his upset of the week? I don't know. He didn't label it, so I'm just going to guess every single one. 
as the upset. <laughs> They're all upsets to me. <laughs> uh, later that night, we got the Lakers versus the Mavericks. Um, I was kind of torn on this one, but the Mavericks have been slipping lately, and this might be an opportunity for the Lakers to start crawling their way back into the, or at least cushioning their spot in the play-in tournament. So I'm going with LA on this one. Yeah, and this one I'm going to go with the Lakers, not only because I'm trying to be biased and hopeful, but at the same time, I think, you know, Mavericks, they have had their struggles recently. They really have. And I feel like, you know, that could affect them in like this type of game where they're supposed to win. But in terms of like their track record so far recently, like they're going to let a game against an easier opponent slip by them. Yeah, we might see an upset here by the Lakers. Connor is choosing the Mavericks, by the way. So upset of the week, doubtful. I don't think that's it, but no. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying upset of the week until one finally makes sense. <laughs> uh, we head into Wednesday the 30th. We got the Heat versus the Celtics. I'm picking Miami, and this is like, I guess what you would call a must win in my book. You you got to beat the Celtics um, in order to kind of keep them at bay, but also sec- make sure you secure that number one spot in the Eastern Conference. We know the Celtics are hot, but I'm hoping Miami is a little hotter for that one. Yeah, for this one, I'm I'm really this is this one I was really torn about, but I feel like with the recent struggles we've seen with the Heat and how not only are the Celtics like. 22 and four in the last 26 games like that's extremely impressive to me but not just that boston's also a game out from the one c2 so i feel like this is also a game where like you can't lose to the heat you really need to win this if you really want to end with the one seed as well so like this race for the one seed is remarkable in the east it really is but i feel like the celtics are going to be the ones to to really keep showing that miami's on this downward spiral for a little bit Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I think they want to avoid playing Chicago in the playoffs. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that, that's a team you might want to avoid, but we'll see. Uh, Connor's agreeing with me with the Heat. Later that night, the Pelicans versus the Trailblazers. So we got one team that is trying to hold on to that play-in spot. We got another team that is uh, pretty much out of the playoffs at this point. But um, I'm going with the Pelicans. I, I'm hopeful that they can beat the Trailblazers. Uh, you know... After ever after everything said and done, uh, the Pelicans are really hungry at this point. Yeah, you know the Pelicans, especially uh, this team is without Zion, and he, and I think that has affected them. But they have really rallied together, and they show like with or without Zion, we're gonna keep winning these games and make these these games tough against the best or even the worst. Regardless, it doesn't matter. They're gonna make it tough regardless. And I think even though this is you know a very weak opponent in the Trailblazers, Pelicans know that this is a game that they most likely will not lose because they are such a much better team and they want it more. Yeah, we're all unanimous on the Pelicans. Connor chose New Orleans for this matchup. Heading into the last day of March the 31st on that Thursday, we got the Bucks versus the Nets. Another big game for, for Milwaukee. Another one to really pad in that Eastern Conference standing. And I'm going with Milwaukee. They know what's at stake here. Although the Nets are not as high in the rankings as they were before. Doesn't matter if it's an Eastern Conference opponent. They really need to lock down their current position, if not get higher. So I'm going with Milwaukee. Yeah, this is one where originally I was going with Milwaukee for the same idea that I even said before. And as you just said now. But at the same time, I also look at this as 
maybe this is a trap game and, and they're going to underestimate the Nets in this one. Because the Nets, we know, can put off a game where they put up 140, but then they can also put up a game where they only score 85 points. You know, they have been that hot and cold. But I feel like maybe with how this team has played recently with both guys scoring 40 a game and we see it from Kyrie, we see it from KD, I think this is a game where maybe they're, this is an under, they're going to underestimate the Nets and they're going to let this slip away. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Connor is also picking the Bucks, by the way. Later that night, the Cavaliers are playing the Hawks. We know the Cavaliers have been slipping, but if you want to hold on to the 16, you got to beat the Hawks at this point. So I'm going with Cleveland. Yeah, I'm going with Cleveland, too. They are a much better team. And the Hawks, you know, the Hawks are probably going to be, no matter what, the 10th seed. But regardless they can afford to lose a game it's not like there's pressure on them to win and i think cleveland has a lot of pressure on them to stay in that sixth seed so this is a game where they're not going to let it slip all right we headed into the friday april 1st we finally made it to april basketball for the nba our first game we got the suns versus the grizzlies the number one versus the number two seed in the west this is going to be a tough one this was a very tough one but I'm going with the Suns in this one. They've just been playing really well. There's a reason why they're the number one seed. So I'm, I'm going with Phoenix in this one. Yeah, you know, as much as I love the story with the Grizzlies and how they're the two seed right now, and they most likely will be in the end, it's just kind of hard to see the Suns team drop anything. It really is. You know, this is a this is a team that is really pissed about the finals last year, and they really have come with a vengeance to defeat the entire NBA right now and beat everyone that's in their path. So I really don't think the Suns are going to let this one go. All right, we head into later that night, another important Western Conference matchup, the Timberwolves versus the Nuggets. Now, we talked highly about the Timberwolves and how if they, you know, they can still grab the sixth seed and all that, but I'm just... I don't know why, but I just feel like Jokic might have a big game against, especially knowing what's at stake, that valuable six seed. So I'm going with Denver in this one. Yeah, in this one, I'm the opposite on it. I am going with the Timberwolves. And because for the same reasons you said, that's exactly how I feel about the Timberwolves right now and how they also do have, they're hungry. They really want it. They're a great team. And this is, this is the game that's going to really define who's going to grab that six seed, especially. And this is going to be a fight to the end, I expect. But I really do think maybe the Timberwolves will be the ones to come out on top. Connor is in agreement with you. I was torn on this one. I wasn't sure who to really pick. But, you know, I just I just felt good about Jokic and his uh, MVP yeah. level type season it's, he's it's been having. So. It's, it's really hard, but... Uh, we got to keep this moving. Uh, April 2nd, we got the Heat versus the Bulls. A lot of important uh, standing matchups this week, but, you know, coming up. But I'm going with the Heat on this one. I just Chicago has not been the same team since the All-Star break. It, it's shown even though the Bulls are getting players back slowly. It, it's just, you know, Miami, we know Miami, how well Miami can play. And they've been having the Bulls number most of the season. So I'm I'm going with them. Yeah, I'm going Miami, too. Though Miami has had recent struggles, and we've seen it, especially this past week, this is the Bulls. And the Bulls are a good team, but I'm pretty sure, then Connor say last week, too, that the Bulls are, have have not beaten a top three opponent at all yep. this year. They are 0-16, uh, I believe, against top against three the opponents. Against the top three. 
both conferences. And when I look at that is this team really does choke, regardless of the Heat having their struggles. The Bulls are a team that keeps that keep choking against the top teams. And I think, you know, this is just going to add to it that they're still not ready yet to beat the one of the best teams in their conference. Yeah, so we're going to have to watch that matchup. It's going to be interesting. Or maybe the Bulls do get their first win, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, Heading into April 3rd, we got the Nuggets versus the Lakers. Um, I know I felt good about the Lakers versus the Mavericks, not so much against the Nuggets. Uh, they It's pretty much been the Nuggets series this whole season, so give me Denver. Yeah, you know, I like I'm hopeful on the Lakers beating the Mavericks, but I really look at this as a... The Mavericks, though they're they're ahead of the Nuggets, I think this is the Nuggets are a much better team than them, and I think that this is also a team that is really a thorn at the Lakers' side, and it really is a team that the Lakers really can't get past. Connor's also in agreement with us about the Nuggets. Finally, we got the Pelicans versus the Clippers. Now, I know the Pelicans, you know, they're looking to be in that playing tournament, but the Clippers have just been a different team They've been a different team this season uh, without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And uh, the Clippers are trying to get the easiest path into the play into the playoffs because there's a chance Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can both come back if they make it into the playoffs. So I, I'm expecting this Clippers team to fight hard. Mm-hmm. I I am 100 percent agreeing with you on that. I think the one thing that really sh- impresses me the most is that the Clippers team will literally play the toughest teams in the league and still either win or only lose by single digits. They make it that tough, especially without Paul George and Kawhi. And this is a game where Pelicans are a tough team to play. But when I look at this Clippers team, this is probably like, this is probably the toughest, grittiest team out there because this is a team that doesn't have any superstar out on the court, but they will stay at 500 regardless and above 500. So and also, this scares me, too, because they're hungry to where they want to improve their situation for the play-in tournament. That way, when Kawhi and Paul George come back at the same time, if that happens, then we're really we're really going to be a shock in for a first round who they're going to have to play. Because, you know, we haven't said it really, but if the Clippers do play one of these first-round opponents with both those guys back, then we're really in for a shake-up. Then, then there's the shake-up. That, mm-hmm. That's good. That's going to be what we would call a uh, big issue with uh, the West. Um, no games on that Monday, the 4th, because that is the uh, March Madness Championship game. Uh, we'll be talking about that a little more next week. But, you know, for, for at least we'll be talking about that at some point in the future. But uh, enjoy the NCAA tournament. I know my bracket has been completely ruined since the first minute uh, things dropped. But, you know, that happens every year. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All that can be found in the description of this episode wherever you're listening to. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. It sound right, boy.